Movie Corner, he reviews the movies from what's in the theaters to old forgotten favorites. Mike's Movie Corner, he does it just for you. Mike's Movie Corner is here. Was it Hitler's birthday today? Um, no, it's, I, no I, I know, that's I know. on. That's on 420. Yeah, I know it's not his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good way to start off a stand-up set. So is it Hitler's birthday today? Yeah. That's that's one that's one way <laughs> that you could start a stand-up comedy set. Mm-hmm. Could also start by just saying, Hello everybody, I'm gonna tell jokes now. Please listen. I got I have jokes. <laughs> so um did I we're going to be talking about um, a little movie today called uh, Batman versus Superman. Did you, <laughs> did you see this movie? I saw that. There's a porno <laughs> version of that. I didn't see the movie. I don't either. <laughs> I don't plan on seeing it. Nope. Doesn't look good. It doesn't. Uh, well, I guess I, I haven't really even <laughs> seen any promos for it or anything, but it just, I just don't give a shit. No. Have you seen promos for it or anything? I think I saw a trailer. I don't know if people were posting online talking about it when it came out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Superman. He's like, you cut his hair with scissors, don't the scissors break? So how does <laughs> Batman puts on condom made of kryptonite? I don't know. That is nerd stuff. <laughs> Well, he can't fight him. <laughs> Did Robert Altman direct that? Is he uh, dead? Yeah, he died yeah. in like 2006, I think. Yeah, but today, oh yeah, you're listening to, oh yeah, Mike's Movie, Movie Corner. Corner. Uh, it's not Hitler's birthday. We thought we were going to talk about Robert Altman. I yeah. know he's I know he died. <laughs> oh, just joking. It's topical. We're talking about uh, Superman versus Batman. Yeah. If we're going to talk about movies. Yeah. Know, I thought I'd mention one movie that's in the theater. I didn't see it, but. I didn't <laughs> see it either. <laughs> so, Robert Altman. Yeah, Robert Altman. He's a he's an excellent filmmaker. I haven't seen all of his movies. Have you seen all of his movies? Nah, I no. think he, his credits are like over forty or something. Like yeah, that, they're extensive. Unlike Stanley Kubrick, probably not all good. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even I don't even know if I I don't think I've seen all of Stanley Kubrick's movies. No, nah, I haven't. Ones I've seen, I enjoyed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Robert Altman. I believe both of us have seen a fair share of his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. He falls into the canon of great filmmakers. He's up there with Scorsese, Godard. Uh, Kubrick. <laughs> Kubrick. Um, uh, who else? Um, Fellini. <laughs> Fellini. Um, Kurosawa. Um <laughs> Who else? Um, 
Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Wow. Um, didn't have to edit the last. Not that I didn't have to edit the last one, but wow, really. What's like uh, Terry Zwigoff? Terry Zwigoff. Well, that was a documentary. Well, yeah, I guess he's made other films. Bad yeah. Santa. I haven't seen Bad Santa. <laughs> Robert Altman. Uh, what are some of your favorite Robert Altman films? Uh, like Nashville is, is really good. Three Women's really good. Um, yeah, Three Women is one of my favorites. Shortcuts. I just watched that the other day. I really liked that a lot. You saw it the other day. I probably saw it 10 years ago. It leaves a lasting impression. I was thinking about that movie and maybe Robert Altman films in general. And I'd, whether we didn't discuss this, but I was kind of thinking his films, I believe, no, nah, I, don't, I don't believe there are certain things I don't want to say anymore, like whatnot, I believe, or I think. I say those things too much when I talk. Yeah. <laughs> I will have certainty when I speak. I was thinking about Robert Altman films. And maybe you would think this. They have a kind of like when you're you're dreaming the way that Robert Altman films are, whether or not they have a large cast or not. Sometimes is known films are known for having a large amount of cast members, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always follow a normal uh, trajectory or not always. There's not always a definite plot to his movies. Maybe is that the right? Yeah, like shortcuts. It's it doesn't necessarily have a plot. It's just kind of like little vi- vignettes. Of- yeah, I, I guess hence the name shortcuts. In a way, they're almost. I almost feel like it feels that way throughout most of his films. They almost have a dreamlike, surreal feel to them. Kind of like when you are dreaming, how things kind of jump around, mm-hmm. and one thing from the next might happen. There's not necessarily a plot to your dream, but there is somewhat of an overall theme. Mm-hmm. Like I had this nightmare. I won't even go into what it was about, but it did have an overall theme to it that related to my life, this particular nightmare I had. And there was a lot of different scenes that were jumping around and in some way they all tied together. And that's kind of when I think of a Robert Altman film like Shortcuts or Nashville. Yeah, There's an overall theme that sticks with it, but it may jump around quite a bit and intertwine Mm -hmm. amongst a bunch of different characters that may come together. Some of the characters come together, some do not. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're always intertwined. I don't know. Maybe I need to see more Altman. But I guess, do you agree with that? And Yeah. I don't want like to say that. maybe like with Shortcuts and Nashville, as I already said, or even Three Women, which Three Women was influenced by a fever dream that Robert Altman had. I think he had this dream. His wife was in the hospital, and he had, was having—he had a fever. He had this dream, and that was kind of the dream. Some of the plots to that movie were what was occurring with the two women meeting, becoming friends, working at the spa, uh, displaced uh, personalities between the women, the three women. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, oh, I guess I was going to say. I guess I, I didn't know that actually. That the that was kind of based on inspired yeah, I by read a that dream on the internet. But yeah, I was going to say that like. Um, Nashville and shortcuts are very similar in the way that it's just kind of, they don't really have a plot, but it's just kind of like showcasing different people and different people's lives and whatnot and how they're all kind of, yeah, they all kind of intertwine and, but they're all different at the same time. And other things I'm thinking about, and most of what I'm talking about, I guess, are, are those three films. I don't. I guess there's the long goodbye with oh, Lee yeah. Gould. That's isn't that's either isn't that ba- that's a famous detective. I think so. It's like it? Dashiell Hammett. I can't even remember. I think his name's like Phil Marlowe. Oh Phil yeah, Philip Marlowe. Marlowe. Yeah, 
which I haven't seen the movie that the, like, I think it's Philip Marlowe was a character in a movie like film noir from the forties or something like that. I guess I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't have my research or he's a pulp novelist. I believe Uh, I can't remember or the character. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was a character by Dashiell Hammond. Again. Yeah. We do little beforehand (laughs) research on this show, Mm -hmm. but no, everyone has the internet nowadays. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was thinking of themes with Robert Altman and I even, even in the long goodbye, the three women, Nashville shortcuts. I mean, do you see this? There's this seems like, Obviously, I don't know, bad events happen to people. There's always something like accidents. Oh, yeah. That happen or tragic events. I remember, isn't there a, there's a big freeway car accident, something with a boat that crashes in Nashville. Yeah. And obviously the assassination at the end of that. There's a shooting and or bad event, a woman that has a miscarriage and three women, a woman that's beaten to death in shortcuts. Mm-hmm. There's always uh, things that, kind of culminate to a head mm-hmm. or climactic ending in his movies. It's usually tragic in some way. Mm-hmm. And the characters from then on out are and are changed or the events change or greatly influence the characters in some way oh, at yeah. the end. I, it's Yeah, it's always like some great, tragic, horrible thing that happens in his films. Like, usually, like, it builds up to them. Like, in shortcuts, I guess there's... I guess there's two things. There's one, there's a kid that gets hit by a car. And I don't remember that because you, know, like, you saw it two days ago. I probably saw it 15 years ago. And then there's, yeah, and then there's also towards the end of the film, a character uh, kind of bludgeons another character with a rock. And then there's a small earthquake. And then they're saying on the news, oh, one person died in the earthquake from falling rocks. But she was but, actually beaten to death. Who yeah. was... That was Chris Penn's character. He beat yeah. up kind of a young teenage girl. And who was he with? And they both were kind of away from their wives on a vacation, and they started making out with these. Or he's with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're trying to, they see these girls They're on trying bikes. to pick up these girls. Yeah. And then I think like uh, like Chris Penn's character in that movie is with Jennifer Jason Lee, who mm-hmm. her character in this movie is a phone sex operator and she actually does it while she's taking care of her kids at home. <laughs> and then it's like, she, she does that. And then, um, he knows that she's a phone sex operator. Yeah. Cause okay. she just works from home. Like when he's around and when the kids are around, like she's, mm-hmm. she's saying that, Oh, I'll suck your cock while she's changing <laughs> their baby's diaper. And, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, like it's it's funny kind of it's interesting kind of juxtaposition i guess because like she does that but then their relationship is kind of uh, it's almost non-existent they just seem kind of distant between each other right and maybe i'm you know pulling this from somewhere but who is it or not it's not lily tom isn't lily taylor in or L- Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin's in it, but isn't Lily Taylor? Or am I thinking of another girl that's in Shortcuts? I think there is someone named Lily Taylor in the movie. I thought she was one of the girlfriends and or wives. And wasn't she getting worked on by a makeup artist who made it look like she was beat up or injured? And then the photography the, uh, at that time, back when they still developed film, someone sees the photos isn't it? and it looks like she's beat up and they hand them because they, they gave the wrong photos to someone else. Yeah, because... Um, 
Isn't that's kind of a, and I'm thinking that I mean, maybe, I don't know whether you can verify that from other Robert Altman movies. That's another theme where a character thinks something happens or is happening, but they're mistaken. Hmm. Something that I don't know. It might be visited upon in Nashville shortcuts, obviously shortcuts. What I just mentioned and through women or something is happening, but it's like, you don't understand what's happening or that character sees it in a different way. I guess, yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've seen Nashville and Three Women. Mm-hmm. I need to rewatch them. Uh, yeah, I guess I can't really remember. I think definitely, oh yeah, and there's definitely that in Three Women with uh, Shelley Duvall's character because Shelley Duvall's character is somewhat oblivious and clueless to what everyone really thinks of her mm-hmm. and how she reacts. She's a somewhat vapid, maybe even stupid. And everyone's just like, well, that's she is. She's a loud mouth. She talks. She never shuts up. And she thinks she's friends with people, but she really isn't. Oh, yeah. And Sissy Spacex, I believe, starts to kind of pick up on that. And her character changes. Is there something like the characters are seen in different ways and maybe they change or are, I don't know, they go through a metamorphosis or something. Maybe I'm going out there a bit. That might be specific to three women itself, but. Oh yeah, go on. I guess with what you were saying. Yeah, that's because uh, Robert Downey, Downey Jr.'s character in that movie is a makeup artist for movies. Okay, and I believe he was doing makeup on Lily Taylor. Yeah, who's his girlfriend or wife? And then they take photos and they get them developed. And then Buck Henry is a fisherman. He gets <laughs> those photos, and then um, Lily Taylor gets Buck Henry's photos. And Buck Henry's photos of is when they were fishing and they took photo mm-hmm. took photos of the dead body that they didn't report on till later. <laughs> that later was Huey on. Lewis was hanging out with Buck Henry or <laughs> Yeah, it's like Huey Lewis, Fred Ward and Buck Henry are all fishing. That's a another theme too is I mean he has people that aren't always traditionally actors. Sometimes he has musicians playing parts and Oh yeah. There's always a another thing. I mean and obviously Robert Altman's influenced a lot of people. I, most famously Paul Thomas Anderson who's kind of become uh, a neo-hybrid of Robert Altman with his own movies where he delves into nonlinear plots or mm-hmm. things that are not plot-heavy but very, very character-driven in the characters' stories or and or just the characters mm-hmm. kind of drive what's happening or the insignificant and or normal lives that they have or non-normal lives in the case of the porn stars of Boogie Nights. And they it drifts between a lot of different characters and a lot of situations and things that come out of left field and odd things in Magnolia frogs are raining. Oh, Magnolia was all like urban legends and or something that it was mm-hmm. based around boogie nights. We've we're cutting between a lot of different characters and things that are happening and how they're all intertwined, mm-hmm. not necessarily a plot, but more just the individual lives of these yeah. characters and how they all interact. Yeah. And that's similar to a Robert Altman film. I was yeah. trying to think in Nashville, aren't there a lot of celebrities just that just kind of show up and, and are in scenes and they're playing themselves like Elliot Gould and Julie Christie and yeah. kind of meet them. Oh, here's Elliot Gould. Because <laughs> I think Cinema Verite, I guess you think of Robert Altman, you think of that and whether he did that early on in his career or got that from the new wave cinema of New Wave Cinema coming out of, what is it, France, Jean-Luc Godard, who are some other names. Uh, it's like Truffaut. Truffaut. Or they would film things as they happened or use loose scripts or improvisation. Yeah. Improvisation is another thing that happens a lot in Robert Altman films. 
Oh yeah, I think there's a lot of improvising and yeah, there's a lot of improvising in shortcuts and Nashville, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's it's interesting. Like uh, shortcuts came out in '93, and then Magnolia came out in '99, and he, I wouldn't say that Magnolia rips off shortcuts, but it is very it's it's pretty much like the exact same type of movie. Yeah, I I don't know like a bigger difference for Paul Thomas Anderson movies as sometimes with Robert Altman films, I feel like it's more cinema verite. It's more documentary esque, Hmm. like us sitting in this room right now and this lighting and me looking at you. Whereas Paul Thomas Anderson, things are a little more stylized and they're a little more cinema esque. Oh yeah. Versus Robert Altman or Robert Altman's at times. It's almost just like they just turned on the camera and just went. Mm -hmm. And not that that doesn't exist in Paul Thomas Anderson movies, uh, but it, I don't know. It just has that more of a, a cinema flavor or look or feel yeah. to them. And maybe more of his, you know, obvious musical cues and things that happen. I don't know if Robert Altman does that as much. Remember, remember Robert Altman has a different style for that where he doesn't use those musical cues or it's diegetic. You feel like the sound is coming from the scene. Mm-hmm. Whereas Paul Thomas Anderson, the sound is obviously thrown right in your face when they're doing the big walkthrough in the porno house. This is the porno house. We're showing you the porno house, Burt Reynolds porno house in uh, Boogie Nights. They're playing Machine Gun by the Commodores, and it's very jump cut MTV flash editing. And here is this. This is happening. The camera keeps moving. And the long extended shots, that's something that Alfred Hitchcock did, the the non-cuts or the hidden cuts uh, that Paul Thomas Anderson did. Uh, Robert Altman's kind of famous for that too. Very long, extended, yeah. steady cam shots that fly around and show you everything. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that movie, The Player, that Altman did? Yeah, I did. I saw it in college. Or I took a media class, and we had a guy that was very big into like getting his own movie made and all of that. And he showed us The Player, and I remember seeing that. And that was kind of supposed to give you that insight into the Hollywood uh, script, the Hollywood workings, the walking around the studio. Uh, you know, <laughs> Fred uh, Ward was in that. He was a Hollywood executive. Mm-hmm. Vincent D'Onofrio was a script writer. And yeah, they kind of took you through that whole thing. Wasn't it about a guy that murdered his wife? Or I can't even remember the right. plot of that. But yeah, that was a very long extended cut at the beginning of that. Yeah, I think it was like 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes where the camera just went through the paramount studios or mgm lot where it just kept going yeah and i think that if i remember he caught there was a lot of slack he caught from that where the studio was like you can't open a movie with a 20 minute you know non-cut shot like Mm. that i i guess i I haven't seen that movie actually i want to see it Mm -hmm. but yeah i've just heard about like they even talked about that in the altman documentary that was on netflix for a while i don't know if it still is or not but they, that movie's kind of notorious because of the opening shot. Right. Yeah, they talk about, like I've heard that the player and then shortcuts, those kind of revitalized his career. Yeah, and I was going to say, those are later, much later works for him, for someone, for me, that you know did his grand opuses in the 70s, really. Mm. And I, I wouldn't say those are bad work. I think they're great works for what they are in themselves coming from him. But obviously I don't know. I, I, I'm a fan of his older Mm -hmm. work. They are truly great without just jumping on a bandwagon, like saying, Oh, I love dark side of the moon or (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, the Skinner album that has Freebird on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> or Tommy the Who. <laughs> they are. I, I I think people have a tendency to dislike things that are extremely popular and well done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they're popular and well done, not just Michael Bay movies. But <laughs> <laughs> What was I going to say? Like, a, There's a couple other, like I've never seen MASH. I've never seen um, McCabe and, or what's that movie called? I've seen part of that Brewster McCabe with Bud Court. Oh, yeah, there's Bruce. Or what's the movie oh, with, with Warren Beatty and Julie Christie? I can't remember what that's called. Oh, Bonnie and Clyde? No, no, no. No, that's... Uh, that's Faye Dunaway and yeah. Lord Warren Beatty. And that's directed by Arthur Penn, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's called McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Yeah, that's an Altman movie. Yeah, I need to see, like, yeah, Brewster McCloud, MASH. Oh, McCloud, yeah. I've seen part of that, and it was, like, really entertaining. I think that was Shelley Duvall's first movie she was really young in that and it's funny to think of old movies parodying things what parodying's always been going on but she there's a scene where she i think she picks up bud court's character and they go back to her apartment then there's later a scene where they're getting chased and she puts on a four-point harness seatbelt in a mustang type car and they parody steve mcqueen's chase scene from bullet uh, like she's driving a car very fast it's funny but <laughs> And what's her name? Which he directed Mass. Who's who's the Hot Lips? Uh, Hefferin or Shelley? I can't remember her name. She played the character of Hot Lips in the movie Mash. Well, I guess I, I haven't seen that. Well, I the blonde. To. I think she played Mark Maron's mom on later seasons of Maron. Uh, uh-huh. Anyway, she parodies her own scene in Mash where they. I think Elliot Gould and whoever plays the other doctor, they make her shower fall down in the Korean War and she's nude or something. She parodies that in the Astrodome, like taking a shower or a bath or something in a fountain. So <laughs> Altman parodied his own work. Oh, that's okay. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, there was something, I think a lot of that was like something like, I don't know, I don't know if that was like a, kind of like the hunchback of Notre Dame, but I think it was, I see, I never saw that whole movie and I'd like to see it. It is, it's a fun Altman movie. Maybe like a lighter movie compared to Three Women, but Bud Court's character lives in the Astrodome, and I, I isn't there a lot of like Altman works that are based around Texas? I, Three Women was in Texas, I think. Oh yeah, I think so. I think yeah, it's like and Dallas. obviously Brewster McCloud. That's they did it in the Astrodome, and that was like recently built. And I was getting to what I was trying to say was. Bud Court's character lives in the Astrodome. I don't know what he does. I can't remember. I need to see this movie, but it makes me kind of think of like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, like this central character that lives in a large place. And I don't know what he does, but <laughs> I don't know where we were going with that. But we are talking well, here. Yeah, you've been listening to Mike's Movie Corner with your host, Mike Moss. Mike. I'm Martin Lane. We didn't really do introductions at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, we're talking about Roger. Robert, Ro- Robert. <laughs> Roger Waters. Yeah, Roger so. Waters and the wall. And <laughs> the great works he did. His father died in World War II. Bob Geldof played titular character. I don't know what that doesn't make sense. And the wall. <laughs> Should watch that movie and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to see. Have you seen McCabe and Mrs. Miller? No. Yeah, that's that's definitely a Roger Altman film I haven't seen. I guess we could kind of doesn't not that we need to, but I we could kind of like mention at least the ones we know of that we haven't seen. The ones that we've been mentioning are more the his more famous works and 
R- what is it? McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Yeah. Like I said, they're less famous, but obviously there's, you know, Altman's greatest hits, the Criterion Collection, and then there's the maybe, I guess, lesser known movies, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Brewster McCloud probably falls into that. Uh, Cortis is a Paul Newman movie. Paul Newman starred, at least in a Roger Altman film, about some game in an ice-barren, post-apocalyptic world, Earth, wherever they are, where they have to go around and kill people. I don't even <laughs> know what that's about. It's a Roger Altman film. I can't remember the name of that other movie. Eddie and Boggs or something. It's like from the 80s. That's a Roger Altman movie, I mm. think. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie, Gosford Park? No, another one that, what is that about, servants or something? I think so. <laughs> I, I guess I've never seen it, but I just remember. No, I remember the, it's like a kind of a striking movie poster. Yeah. Is it like a murder mystery, Agatha Christie, whodunit? Or, I, I think know, so, yeah. yeah. I know that, I think it got a lot of a, a lot of praise when it came out, like mm-hmm. in 2001. And um, it was probably like the biggest hit of his, his later years and such. Right. And then it, I think it got a lot of Oscar nominations and such. And what was like his last, I think his last movie, I remember seeing trailers and I went to some movie, it was something like Prairie Home, Roger Altman's Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. And it had like Woody Harrelson, who's that one gal that's married to Paul Thomas Anderson? Oh, Maya Rudolph. Rudolph. Yeah, it's got like an all-star cast, like John C. Riley's in yeah. it, Lindsay Lohan's in it, I think. It's the people that do the public, we were listening to it today when we drove home, because you're like, who's that? And I'm like, that's Garrison Keillor, <laughs> you know, Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> Uh, Minnesotan Midwest humor. We are in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. The grain belt. <laughs> <laughs> grain belt. Yeah. Minnesota beer. Yeah. They're going to re re uh, light that um, sign next year or something. Oh, in Minnesota. Yeah. Famously. Yeah. The, the grain belt sign. I think that's St. Paul or on the bridge. I don't even know, <laughs> but it, yeah, it famously showed up in Dario Argento's, Trauma, starring his own daughter, Asia, where she is an anorexic that's going to jump off the bridge. You can see the grain belt sign in the background. And Christopher something, I can't remember his name. He was in an 80s movie with, who's the guy from Revenge of the Nerds? Anthony. I don't know. He's like bald now. He was on ER. Christopher, I don't even know his name, but he was like the main lead in that alongside her. He was in Gotcha with that Anthony guy. (laughs) And he's trying to get her to not jump off the bridge. Anyway, now we're talking about Dario Argento movies. His first American movie was filmed in Minnesota, not too far from here. And it was like fun watching that Dario Argento movie because a lot of the places and scenes that are featured in that Dario Argento movie in Minnesota and St. Paul were a lot of the places where my family always like vacation to go visit my brother who lived there. And they had a scene that was in the Coyote Cafe where we always went and ate. And I mean, Uh blatantly in the Coyote Cafe, I mean, down to the art and the things. And even even, even, like when they went outside, they were directly outside the Coyote Cafe. Normally, you know, in a movie, it's they go all over the place. It's like you're inside one area, then they move to another area and it's another scene or they go outside and it's somewhere else. But they were all filmed very centrally around that movie. We were talking about Roger, Robert Altman. <laughs> oh. I don't know where else we were going with this. Was that movie from like 94? 92. And before, you know, way before I even, you know, with the internet, the boom of the internet and learning about things and different movies, cultures, music, things of that nature. I suppose before that we had like the independent film channel came out with direct TV and we had that and I, we had Showtime and Cinemax and on Showtime, I believe that Dario Argento movie showed up. Hmm. 
uh, trauma. You know, it's, it's kind of an all-star cast. Uh, our Asia Argento's in it. I think she was 19 at the time. Uh, Brad Dourif, the famous as the voice of Chucky. And many other things, much better things than just the voice of Chucky. He's an amazing, he's an actor that's up there with, we've talked about this on last week's episode, those great iconic actors or the new breed, the new wave of these actors like the Jack Nicholson's, the Dustin Hoffman. Maybe Brad Dourif is a little bit older than, or younger than maybe by 10 or some years than the Nicholson's or the Hoffman's. But he was uh, in that Argento movie, Trauma, along with Piper Laurie. She was in... Twin oh, Peaks, Twin and then Peaks she was very famous before that. Carrie. Uh, Carrie, and then Frederick Forrest, who was the uh, saucier from Apocalypse Now. He was a psychiatrist in trauma. <laughs> I, I just remember that movie showing up, like I said, before I learned who Dario Argento was. And this movie like struck me because it's, it's odd, and it, I believe it still kind of sticks with the Italian. They just... They don't like film sounds. I think the voice is a lot of ADR. The voices are dubbed, oh, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and but it is it has the characters of Dario Gentle movies. They're surreal. It's strange. It's scary. It's odd. It's like what did I just see? Type of situation. I remember just that movie did stick with me before I knew what it was. And I remember seeing an ad in a newspaper, maybe when we were in Minneapolis, about this movie trauma that was filmed around Minneapolis and the. Uh, the rainy, the the serial killer strikes when it rains. So it's like a lot of the backdrop of this movie is the rainy uh, streets, suburbs, cities of Minneapolis and Minnesota, uh, the city of Minneapolis and the surrounding suburbs of St. Paul. Yeah. And uh, we're off subject now. It doesn't really matter. Oh, Talking well, about Robert Altman. <laughs> oh, but Brad Dourif, he's the guy from Cuckoo's Nest, isn't he? And Blue Velvet. Yeah, and I don't remember how much. I don't think he speaks very much in Cuckoo's Nest other than the enigmatic performance of a young psychiatric patient that kills himself after he loses his virginity or something. Mm-hmm. And he's, yeah. I can't remember if he was Paul in. Now that Paul was Jack Nance, he was Raymond, I believe, in. Yeah. Blue Velvet, and he always had the switchblade and the snake. And <laughs> Raymond, you are so fucking suave. <laughs> and yeah, he was one of the uh, human calculators, computers in Dune. Hmm. I believe that when Duke Atreyu, Atreyu bites on his poison tooth, he blows all that poison smoke into Brad Dura's face and he dies because he thinks it's Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I should mention like a uh, yeah. You mentioned like he'll Robert Altman kind of casting people who aren't necessarily actors. Like in it's interesting in shortcuts, he's got two musicians in there: Tom Waits and Huey Lewis. <laughs> right. But I yeah, I don't. And I'll see like yeah, you reminded me that Huey Lewis is one of the fishermen. Was it him and Jack Lemon or Buck Henry or? It's him and it's him, Buck Henry and Fred Ward. Fred are Ward, the three fishermen. fishermen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tom Waits, who it's, yes, he's a musician first, but it's hard not to think of Tom Waits as an actor. Right? Mm-hmm. He's one of those people that just is, they can pull it off. They're multi-talented, mm-hmm. amazing, enigmatic, and no matter what they do. I remember the first time I saw Tom Waits was in Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's, he plays Renfield, and I would argue it's the best Renfield and best Renfield that will ever be, <laughs> if you haven't seen that. His, his performance of Renfield is awesome. His 
accent's awesome. His mannerisms are awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. really great. I actually have that movie, but I haven't watched it mm-hmm. yet. It's fun. It's a beautiful movie. It's almost, I don't know. I don't, it's fun. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's very romantic, uh, romanticized. It's makes me think, I don't know, like, like, you know, Herman Melville is Moby Dick's romanticized. I think of that as romanticized and maybe that came from a romanticized period. I don't really know literature (laughs) that well, but that movie definitely was romanticized. Everything about it, the acting, the look of it. It's just like almost like a movie you smell, taste, and feel when you watch because it's just so like beautiful it's very painterly looking everything yeah the look of it the acting the soundtrack then he's have you seen down by law i haven't seen that one. i think i've seen parts of that is that's a black and white jim jarmusch it's yeah who's that goofy italian actor he's in that bernando bertolini i can't remember his name uh he's in that uh, Tom Waits, then who's the other actor? Isn't John Lurie in that movie? Lurie was the third guy, and isn't it like three so. guys that escape and they're running from the law? I guess it makes me think of that Coen Brothers movie. What's that? Brother, where art thou? Where out thou? How thou were out thou? <laughs> oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah, it's, it makes me kind of think of that because it's three outlaws on the run, if I remember. Yeah. Huey Lewis is, he's in that movie duets or whatever. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen, seen that. And that's immediately what I think of because if I hadn't known he was in that Robert Altman movie, Shortcuts, I think of duets. That's kind of what Huey Lewis is famous, or I believe, he, I don't know who he plays, but it's a singing role. I mean, he's a musician, mm-hmm. which in Robert Altman's movie, he's playing a fisherman, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was thinking like, cause we saw Huey Lewis uh, back in September um, 2015 at the SD State Fair in Huron. And uh, I just think it'd be funny. It's like, if I ever see him again, I'll make a sign that says, you are great in shortcuts. <laughs> and just hold it up. Like, thank, thank you. Thank you. That was bad fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny to think of that. It was, it was cool to like see him. And he was good. His band was great. I mean... It seemed like his voice was kind of going out, but I mean, my God, what is he, late 60s now? I mean, I can't expect that to hold out forever. And mm-hmm. a lot of those songs sound like they're kind of up there in range anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm assuming his voice has mellowed and he's lost some of that range over the years. Oh, yeah. Remember that old guy that kept farting? Yeah. <laughs> we were at an outdoor concert. Those farts has them stank, and they <laughs> hang. They hung. I don't even. God, uh, how? I don't even. They just outdoor. I mean, we're not like inside. And, oh, he's probably eating fair food well, all day. Yeah. <laughs> Elephant uh, feet, fry bread, mm-hmm. hot dogs with fried caramelized onions, walking tacos. Oh. Um, what else? Indian tacos, Indian tacos. gyros, um, fried ravioli, type of burgers, beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were. That yeah, was awful. Stinking farts. <laughs> what was a ZZ Top cover band open for them? ZZ Three. Yeah. They all looked. Old. I mean, it was basically all like watching ZZ Top. Yeah, it was. Yeah, down to the guitars, the guy the drummer even looked like Frank Beard. He had his drum set. They had the crazy. 
guitars. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, ZZ Top played at played in Brookings, I think, in last November. Yeah, wonder. I think I don't. It seems like I swear that those guys like don't like each other, <laughs> like don't get along. That would suck. I think they yeah they all have like separate tour buses. <laughs> oh, well, if I had that kind of money, I suppose I'd have my own tour bus. Huh? Just be a rack, racquetball court. <laughs> Just play racquetball when I'm in there. I think I have to take a pee, so I'll just probably let this run. And I'll be back. <laughs> I'll just talk by myself. <laughs> Is that okay? Okay. Well, hello there. This is uh, Michael Moss by myself. Um, I'm drinking this beer. It's called Apricot Hefeweizen, beer with natural apricot flavor from Wasatch Brewery. Proudly brewed in Utah, Salt Lake City. He's back, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> uh, we've been talking. This is Mike's Movie Corner. I've been talking about Robert Altman movies. So you didn't, have you seen The Long Goodbye with Ellie? Oh, yeah. I saw that on, I watched it on Netflix. Okay. That's the detective movie. (laughs) Yeah. Can't really, I don't know, I can't really remember the plot or anything, but there are just like a few scenes in there that really stick out, like his performance sticks out and Mm -hmm. just, I don't know, like some of the stuff is funny with him trying to, he just has that cat. That just kind of hangs around. He's like, oh, I got this cat now. And yeah, it's Morris the cat. He's finicky. And I read trivia. That's the first Morris doing his finicky act that became famous in the Nine Lives commercial. Hmm. Her finicky cats prefer feisty or freaky or what's that fucking food called? <laughs> oh, Nine Lives. Nine Lives. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and he's feeding him. He tries feeding him lard or something like that, and the cat runs out his little door. El Gato, I don't even know. A lot of, like, surreal things in that movie, or I don't know if that's his most cinema verite movie, but it is, like, there's a lot of natural performance happening in that movie. Hmm. It's a long movie. It's confusing. Very, like, uh, pulp detective-esque type movie. Yeah. Noir kind of noir, new neo noir, mm-hmm. uh, Technicolor noir. Uh, other trivia: I remember the DP, director of photography, if I remember, did a particular type of processing on the film so that it would somewhat resemble what the human eye sees. Maybe it's a little more contrasty than that, but mm-hmm. I guess I could kind of go with that. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Like he makes a special trip to the grocery store just to get cat food. For his finicky cat. Yeah. He's like, I need Carrie brand cat food. <laughs> and then he asks uh, Stalker there, hey, where's the Carrie brand cat food? And he's like, I don't know, man. And, yeah, I got a cat. I don't have a cat. You know why? Because I got a girl or something <laughs> like that. And then there's that uh, um, L.A. Gould's character is driving. I'm not even sure where, but then he always runs into this um, uh, toll booth operator, toll booth, yeah. and he's he does impressions, and he's always he's like, "Hey, what do you think of this Jimmy Stewart impression?" <laughs> it's 
pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know, that always makes me think of Arrested Development. Doesn't like Joe pull up and starts doing magic tricks with that girl, and he starts the car on fire or something? I think so. And I, I who knows if that's a direct r- relation to that. <laughs> I think Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up in a scene as one of the mafia's tough guys. I don't think he speaks hmm. in that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, kind of like you mentioned the cinema verite. Like in the shortcuts DVD that I have, there's a bonus feature where it's just a uh, Tim Robbins and Robert Altman kind of discussing kind of like the filmmaking process and what went into making that movie. And mm-hmm. Altman mentions how. You know, he likes kind of collaborating with his actors and whatnot and getting ideas from them and kind of just going with the flow and doing things naturally and whatnot. That's his, that was his approach to filmmaking. Right. <clears throat> Which, uh, that's probably not Michael Bay's approach to filmmaking. <laughs> no. It's like, can we do something with a computer? <laughs> So like, Michael Bay was famous as a video director. Oh, really? Do you rap movie or rap videos? I don't know. <clears throat> oh, what? I thought he did was a rap music video director, Michael Bay. Oh, I'm not he, sure. I have no idea. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but he's probably like, you know, like Shia LaBeouf says something that's not to the script, and Michael Bay is like, God, God, no. Script. <clears throat> no, improvis- no improvisation here. What's that Disney show that Shia LaBeouf was on? Uh, even Stevens. I know. That and he was, played that for me once, and they had like a band, and a kid named Beans played bass or something. I don't know. That was actually like a pretty decent show. Yeah. Didn't Beans have like a birdcage over his head? I can't. I'm, maybe I'm just remembering weird things. <laughs> I don't know. Beans like showed up in a scene where he was like playing Florida, Florida White Trash in the movie Show Weeds. Yeah. Beans is like completely bald now. He's really little and weird. Yeah, I think I remember seeing him. Because Amy's like, that's beans. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. This, maybe we'll talk about Shia LaBeouf next episode. Yeah, I think we just, talked about him a little bit last time. Just talk about his career and uh, talk about his, his uh, directorial efforts and such. <laughs> Remember that thing he did where it was like where he just went to a movie theater and watched all of his movies in reverse. I think he watched them in reverse chronological order. Wow. Hubris. (laughs) Marcus, who um, is now living in Seattle, Marcus Hooks. Shout out to him if he's listening. Uh, He was singer songwriter from Aberdeen. The what's his the boomerang kid. Yeah. He was kind of, he was into that child. Yeah, he was a LaBoofer. LaBoof <laughs> fan, I don't know. <laughs> well, he was kind of fascinated by yeah, yeah, the yeah. thing that uh, LaBoof was doing. Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing like little screen captures of him doing that where it's like, he'll be what you, you think he was watching the Even Stevens movie and he was laughing and then he was watching. <laughs> was it Even Stevens movie? Yeah, that was, well, Disney. It was a Disney movie released by the Disney Channel. And um, so it was a TV movie. And uh, I think, and then I remember seeing a clip, well, just a shot of him watching, I don't even know which movie, but and he was crying. I think they yeah. titled it. Sleeping, too? I don't know. <laughs> I think he was. Cry a LaBeouf. <laughs> what it said. 
the meme. Mm-hmm. What would be like a good Robert Altman meme? <laughs> he doesn't really belong in the meme, meme age. In Nashville. It's a movie by Robert Altman. That's a meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. That's something too. In that movie, he had all the uh, all the actors wrote their own country songs. Yeah. The, like so we had Henry Gibson wrote one. A lot of them, I think, were co-written because obviously not everyone's a songwriter. musician or songwriter, but they, you know, they did their part. Mm-hmm. The girl that was the waitress failed stripper wrote some songs, and Karen Black wrote a song. Henry Gibson wrote a song. Uh, Keith Carradine. Keith Carradine did, and I believe his became an almost like a number one hit. I'm easy, not I, the <laughs> Commodore's song, but his. I, th- own. I think his one. I think. His song won the Oscar for Best Original Song. Wow. I think it did. Yeah. Because I'm easy. That's why I'm easy. <laughs> I'm easy like Sunday morning. Not that one. But <laughs> that's, what's his name? Mike Patton. Dave <laughs> No. <laughs> the going guy with the... Hello. Lionel Richie. Lionel. <laughs> Yeah, that was like the end. There was an assassination attempt, or she got shot. The Ronnie Blakely, she was a country singer at the end of Nashville. Yeah. Henry Gibson's like, oh, no, you're going to do this to us. You ain't going to do us like Dallas. This ain't, we, this ain't the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Whatever he's doing. Uh, Henry Gibson's great. Mm-hmm. No matter what he's in, laughing, the burbs, Nashville. <laughs> I think he is in Magnolia, isn't he? Is- oh, yeah, he was the uh, kind of like the gay... Dude that was trying to hit on the the buff hunk that was the bartender with the braces. Mm-hmm. It was between William H. Macy and Henry Gibson. Yeah. And I think I think like I have this book that's just written by a couple of people, like their one hundred one greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And Nashville's on there, like a pretty high on the list, like number fifteen or something. Yeah. And uh there's a little facts in there. I think it mentions that when that movie came out, a lot of the people in the country music industry kind of were like, yeah. They didn't like it. <laughs> or they like, they, yeah, they were displeased with it. And I think Loretta Lynn was like vocal about it, like said that it shouldn't have come out. And oh, stuff fuck like. them. Loretta Lynn. I mean, I don't know. All of it, all pop culture and celebrities and everybody's outspoken, but I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Country music is at least the original country music or country music people. They're all like rebels or outspoken or they just did what they wanted to do. And now it's just become just candied pop crap, canned Mm -hmm. generic shit. Yeah. Not, there are no. I mean, not that there aren't, but those aren't the people that are out front or they're at least a part of the underground. I mean, Hank the Third is a rebel, but, you know, there's the ones that are out front. There are no out front people like Johnny Cash or Waylon Jennings or David Allen Coe or even Willie Nelson. This was, I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's all just whatever. It's, radio, yeah, I don't know. It's pop cut and shit. fucking paste cookie cutter shit. Drinking beer. Drinking beer, partying, got my feet in the sand, bald eagle swooping and fucking 
whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Back up pickup truck and blows up feet and sand. Cold Coors Light. Cold Coors Light. And then my friends looking up at the stars. They're due for troops. <laughs> America for Americans. I'm probably getting off, but <laughs> maybe I'm going too far. I'm not far enough. <laughs> Rain. Ooh. There's like some song by I think it's Luke Bryan, or it's like Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey. <laughs> Me and little brother drank, ate corn and drank whiskey. <laughs> There's like whiskey makes this girl feel loopy or something like that. You can see her bra straps is under that wife beater. <laughs> Hope that she's a cheater. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> American flags, do rags, stars and bars, <laughs> whatever. We're way off topic. <sighs> I think there's this one. Speed going back to Robert Altman. I haven't seen this movie. It's called like Cookie's Fortune or something like that. Yeah, that's another one. I yeah, he's a lot of movies that I haven't seen because that's like some movie I think my grand my grandma has out on DVD. Because my is it Cookie's Fortune or is it that other? What's that other movie with Bette Midler? Outrageous Fortune. <laughs> oh no, it's called Cookie's Fortune. No, she likes that too. Cookie's Fortune. And uh, oh, her. Are you thinking of Ruthless People? Yeah, I'm thinking of Ruthless People. Yeah, that's like one of my grandma's favorite <laughs> movies. Grandma's favorite movies are like Ruthless People and Christmas Vacation. She doesn't like uh, Dumb and Dumber. Dumber. Yeah, she doesn't like Jim Stupid. Carrey. <laughs> she doesn't like Jim Carrey. Fuck his face. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Like, uh, I think she saw that movie on TV and liked it, and then my mom got her the DVD. Cookie's Fortune? Yeah. Looks kind of interesting. I think it's like about a small town and just people the DVD covers like people fishing. So it's probably, mm-hmm. I think it's like small town mystery type stuff. Yeah. Makes me think of what's that movie with Bruce Stern. Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. Oh, that was really good. Actually. I liked mm-hmm. it. Good performances in that film by, um, Stacy Keach, Bruce Stern, Will Forte, Bob Odenkirk. Bruce Dern, Bruce Willis. Bruce Dern, Bruce Willis, Bruce Boxliner. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Bruce Botnick. Bruce Elliott. Who's that? Sounds familiar, Bruce Elliott. I don't know. It's oh. <laughs> a good name. <laughs> this is, who's Bruce Botnick? That name's. Oh, he's the engineer for the doors and stuff. Oh, yeah. Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> Enter the Dragon, Jim Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Lee had a speech impediment. <laughs> he had that thing where you can't say W's. Huh. Look at all the heavenly beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I think of the number four. <laughs> I don't know. What are some other? Listen here, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear it. Unless, you know, there was a lot of the movies where he was dubbed, but you can definitely hear his speech impediment in on Enter the Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything, dude. Beat your ass. <laughs> it was the Mozart of Kung Fu and or Beethoven. 
How did he die? That's another, yeah, we were talking about conspiracy theories. I thought it, some say that he was poisoned. Some say that, yeah, it was like some Asian mafia was after him. Some say he was allergic to pot and made his brain hemorrhage and burst in his head or something. Blood vessels. Wasn't he only like 34? Something? He was 34, and I believe this, most of the doctors said he had like the body of an 18-year-old. He had like 0% body fat. Mm. Amazing specimen. Yeah. What year was it that he died? Game when Game of Death came out, he was in that movie with Colleen Camp, <laughs> my favorite ladies. Uh, Seventy-eight, maybe. I'll look that up. Real yeah, and that movie ended up becoming a bastardization. I own it. It's a bad movie of bad movies, and they used a lot of doubles and extras and uh, just straight up bad photography. They think they bat. They used his funeral in that movie. <laughs> Like, showed his corpse. I mean, it's an exploitation movie, exploitation movies, exploiting on Bruce's death. Mm. Uh, straight up just pasting images of his face onto cells of the film itself, where a guy was just sitting staring in a mirror. I mean, just... Yeah. Oh, he died in... He, he died in 73. Game of really? Death came out in 78. So that didn't get released for a long time. Mm. I didn't know that. And I'll see how old he was. I think he was like 34 or 35. Uh, 32. Yeah. His son Brandon died too. Crow. Oh, yeah. It says on here, uh, Brandon Lee, 1965 to 93. It's not like Brandon Lee... Um, the first song off that Neurosis and Me the Sun, that low voice that's talking, that's Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow. Yeah. He's like, how many of you remember a time in your life that you could forget like no other? The first moonrise, the first, you know. It's like, oh, that's, no, that's from that, um, um, like Sheltering Sky. Oh, really? Yeah. Sheltering Sky, you mean Neurosis? Um, that, that, th- that guy going, how many, you know, how many times can you... I thought look? that was Brandon Lee. No, nah, it's... Uh, um, Maybe Brandon Lee's repeating it? <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I, I've actually looked that up. Um, really? Was a look of the... I swear I found that, like, with Brandon Lee, like, talking. Sheltering Sky. Because, yeah, that's like a... Um, it's a book by Paul Bowles from yeah. 1949, and then it was turned into a movie in 1990. And then I think... He actually, the writer Paul Bowles actually, um, actually recites those lines. Really? Yeah. That's weird. So what's that from again? Uh, uh, the it's called the 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 sheltering sky. Ah. I think that movie is like. Uh, I think um, uh, what's his name is in it? Um, John Malkovich. That's directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. Really? Yeah. What year is that from? I think it's from 1990. Uh. <clears throat> I guess, I don't know, do we have anything else to say in closing? We're just about coming up on an hour here. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I should just encourage people to check out Robert Altman movies. Yeah, his movies really are great. They're a lot of fun. I don't know if they're that much. Well, maybe wouldn't people wouldn't find them fun. <laughs> Well, definitely, like, Shortcuts and Nashville are pretty fun. Shortcuts, Nashville, uh, Three Women. 
three, I don't know. Three women is kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I'd necessarily describe it as fun. <laughs> it's not necessarily unfun, but it's also just kind of. It's very weird. dark and eerie and weird. Yeah. Oddly enough, it's rated PG. No, so. It's very, uh, very dark. A lot of adult themes going on. I don't know. I almost could just give it an R rating based on the content. Yeah. But that was a PG rating back then. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose. Practices, the MPAA. I suppose it's the kind of movie that if it came out today, it'd probably be PG-13. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't have any, like, bad language, really, or really, like, strong sexual content. So no. they're probably just, like, a Other PG. Than implications and yeah. adult themes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a baby being miscarried. Miscarried. Yeah, I definitely recommend, like, in particular, Altman movies I would recommend would be, like, Shortcuts, Three Women, Nashville, and The Long Goodbye. Yeah, easily. Because, yeah, I definitely need to see uh, MASH, Brewster McCloud, McCabe, Mrs. Miller, and um, The Player. The Player, yeah. Yeah, I definitely watch The Player. And I should also add in rest in peace, Robert Altman. I believe he was 1925 to 2006. Yeah, it's a pretty long life. Mm-hmm. I'll look him up right now. Robert Altman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 1925 to 2006, 81 years old. Yeah. He died of leukemia. Oh, that sucks. You've been listening to Mike's Movie Corner with Martin Lean and... And Michael Moss. Peace out. Peace. Bye. Goodbye.